All right, good morning, everybody. How are you guys doing this morning? Good. Well, we're going through our series through the book of Second Peters, and it reminds, Second Peter reminds us and earnestly urges the church to live righteously and allow for God's grace to transform us in our increasingly, increase, increasingly hostile and opposing culture. So if, you're, if you have your Bibles with you today, uh, pull out your phone, your Bible. Second Peter chapter 1, we're going to read through from 12 to 21. It says this, Therefore I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right as long as I am in this body to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we were made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice, voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Spirit. So this is the third week in which we are going through the series. So, and so as we prepare our hearts for what God wants to speak to us through this message, let's pray and we'll dive right in. Father God, as we have just read, may you remind us that you are reigning in heaven. That with the presence of your Holy Spirit, Lord, I know that you have a word for somebody to hear this morning. A message that somebody desperately needs to hear. So Lord, we come broken, lost, distracted, but we ask for you to peel all of that back for us this morning. Remove the clouds from my mind. And Lord, may you help me clearly articulate what you have to say to your church this morning. We come with open hearts, open minds for your word. And may we continue as a church to pursue you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if we, we've already started looking into chapter 1. We're finishing chapter 1. And Peter has set out, set out to tell us to live in the power of the Spirit, that God has given us his divine nature. Remember that we become partakers of his divine nature to lead lives that is then zealous and diligent to advance every Christian virtue. Last week I said if we stay floating in our faith, that the world and the pressures of the un unrighteous world will eventually just draw us out and away from our faith. So we're called, as Peter has already laid out for us, to live out our call in Jesus. And so today we begin in verse 12. It says, therefore, 
I remember in grade school, I mean it was grade seven or eight, anytime my teacher said, if you see the word therefore, you need to ask what is it therefore, right? Which is very, very, very simple. So Peter starts off chapter 12, therefore. He tells us that this is to remind you, five stones, this is to remind you. I know that you guys are a smart church. I know that as a church, you guys know your Bible. You guys know God's promises. But five stones, I also know that we often don't remember those promises. So just like the early church, Peter knows that too, and he's, he says, well, we don't always remember the promises of God, so Peter says, let me remind you what? That you know and are established in the truth. That this church, Five Stones, is established in God's truth. We, we know that this is true for our church. But we as a church, also need to remind each other always of what we are living for. It's so easy for us to be distracted from truth because we live in a world where there is so much information that looks like truth to us, and it's hard to filter through what is worldly truth versus the truth of God. And Peter is reminding the church you know the truth and promises, you were establishing them, meaning that you live according to these truth, but we tend to forget it. As humans, the older we get, the more forgetful that we, we get. I find myself often, you know that feeling when you go into a room looking for something, but you walk into the room and you don't even remember what you're looking for? Well, I have those moments like every 15 minutes. Like <laughs> It's one of those things where you just become forgetful. So Peter is just like, I'm just reminding you. Church, I need to remind you of these things because of the fact that we forget. As humans, we forget. But in this world, we're even so much more distracted now, right? Oftentimes, I'll go in and do something. I pull up my phone, and I start going on my phone, and then I totally forget what I was supposed to do, right? And then you, lost, you lose track of time, and you forget to pick up your kids from school. <laughs> I haven't done that yet. But that's the reality of the, of the culture that we live in now, that we are so inundated and so surrounded with information and distractions and, 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 and all these other things that could grab our attention that we will come to a place when we're living life and we hit life's walls and we forget that there's truth that God's given us to actually navigate those things. And so Peter's like, I'm here to remind you of that. I'm here to remind you of the truths and the promises that God has for you. I want you to, 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 to draw on those things because you're establishing them. So as a church, we need to do that for each other. We need to speak God's truth for each other. And I want you to be careful when you do this. When you speak truth to each other, it needs to be out of a place of love. Okay? Church, I know that Sometimes we are, we're just like, oh, I need to speak truth to that person. But really, it's not really truth that you want to speak to that person. You want to rebuke them, right? What does it mean when the Bible says speak truth in love? Well, what I mean is this. When truth is spoken, it needs to be about reconciliation. 
It needs to be about you reconciling your relationship with them, but also helping them reconcile their relationship with God. The goal for speaking truth in love is always reconciliation. Peter reminds the church of who they are, and he says that we need to stir them up, that they are to remember what Jesus did for them, that Jesus died on the cross for them, that Jesus came and established a church. The best way to speak truth to your brother or sister is to speak Jesus into that situation, to remind them that Jesus died for them so that they can have a new life and be partakers of that divine nature of God, right? Also, to remind us to stir up means to encourage and to lift up, to help move forward, to, see, to, to, to ask for miracles, to ask for mercy, to speak prophetically to, to each other, to lift each other in prayer and pray for healing. All of this is to stir each other up in our faith, what Peter calls brotherly affection, right? We, we, we talked about that last week to keep us from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of Jesus. Peter goes on to say that I'm going to be put off my body. Remember, we know that Peter's in prison in Rome here, right? He, he, he's captured. He knows his death is coming. Peter knows that he's going to die soon. Jesus spoke this over Peter in John 21. Jesus prophesied of Peter's death by, by crucifixion. And we know that Peter actually dies by being crucified upside down. But as you can see, that Peter in his letter does not fear death. He knows he's going to die, but there's no fear. Instead, there's assurance to know that he knows where he's going. You see, the, the Greek word here for body is actually the word tent. Which is very similar to how Paul describes his own body as garments to be put off. You see, a tent is a temporary structure that you stay in. And Peter understands this. He says he knows that this body is temporary, that there is life beyond this life that he's living. So in this tone of Peter, when he says to recall these things of God's promises, he's saying Go live for these things. Because everything else here, including your life, is like a tent. It's for temporary living. When I was in seminary and I was studying in Chicago, the church I went to, there's the, what we call the mamas of the house, right? Mamas of the house, they, they're generally widowers. They're generally uh, women of faith. They, they have great standing in the community because they are women that take care of not only the generation that they that they're part of, but the generations below them. Often these mamas are, are taking care of not only their, their own kids, but their grandkids and great-grandkids. And there's this mama of the house, we called her Mama Mildred. And along with like Mama Shauna and Mama Betty, these, these three women were just powerhouses in our, in our church. And there's one day I had to, I, I had to go over to Mama Mildred's house because I was working with one of her grandkids. And after I finished, I was sitting on, the, on her porch with her. And I'm just sitting, and there's, so, there's this thing about Mama Mildred where even though life throws all these curveballs at her, she has just this steadiness to her. You know, you meet those people where there's just a steadiness to them because they, they've lived life. 
they've experienced life, but they know, they know so much of the goodness of God. And Mama Mildred is one of these people, and as we're talking, as I was talking to Mama Mildred, I was just like, what helps you get to this place where you're just so steady? So she's talking about her life, and there's these words that stuck out to me. And since she said it, I have never forgotten it. She said that we are just merely passing through until we are in heaven. That's where our permanent home is. That we're just passing through. And how, how, how many of us understand that this life that we're living, we're just passing through? that this is, is just temporary, that this life that you're trying to form, this life that you're trying to live, this, this, this persona you're trying to, 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 to give off is temporary. And Peter understands that, and Peter says that I'm going to pass. My, I'm going to pass. My body will be put off. This tent that holds me, this, my spirit, is going to pass. So because of this, Make every effort that after my departure that you are able at any time to recall these things. Recall what things? Recall everything that was written before these verses of, of living for Jesus, that Jesus died for you, that, that you, you form your entire life around building up your faith to push your faith forward, church. Peter's urgency for this is, church, I'm leaving you. The 12 have established this. Now you need to continue this. Remember, because the early church in those times, they thought that when the 12 are gone, Jesus comes back too, right? We, everybody talks about, oh, when's Jesus coming back? When's Jesus coming back? And there's generations, for generations, there's, there's been people that are like, oh, Jesus is coming back now, Jesus is coming back now. And the reality is we don't know. But Peter's saying, but the church needs to continue to exist because Jesus came to establish his church. And so he's, he's saying, what you're living for, please recall on these things. Don't live for your, the life that you're trying to build here because this is temporary. This is not important. Live in a place where you know who Jesus is for, and what he's done for you. Build up that faith. Then, starting in verse 16, Peter zeroes in on the promise of Christ. Verse 19 says, We have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. Peter says this. He is talking about the hope that Jesus gives. The light in the dark place, the morning star that gives you life. So what is that? Verse 16, Peter was talks about how Peter, along with John and James, they were granted the chance to see the transfiguration of Christ. Remember on the mountain before Jesus was going to pass, Jesus comes into a place of prayer. He meets Elijah and, and Moses. And Peter, John, and James got to witness just part of the glory of God, a partial glory of God, and, and the partial, partial glimpse of what Christ would be when he comes again. They got to see the majesty of Jesus. They got to hear the voice of God saying, this is my beloved son who I am well pleased. 
So Peter says this, this, all of this is to confirm the prophetic words that were given to the early church in the Old Testament. Peter is saying that the prophecies of our Messiah, Jesus, Jesus fulfills all that is spoken from the prophets. That even in Malachi, Malachi prophesied that Jesus, when he comes into his whole being, that Elijah will come back. Remember, Elijah is a prophet that never died, right? He was just taken up into heaven. That Elijah will come back in that moment when Jesus, when the Son of Man, when, when the Messiah comes into his full glory. That's what Malachi prophesied. And Peter got to witness that. Imagine being the one that studied the scripture, knowing that this is going to happen. These are the, the prophecies of, of what is to come. And Peter sitting there and just seeing the fulfillment of prophecy happen. Isn't that incredible? Peter is saying that I've witnessed this, and so therefore I'm writing this letter to you to tell you that these things have already happened. That this is the true Messiah, that Jesus is the one and true Son of God, and he is the one that has come to save us. And so you need to take hold of what Jesus has done so that we can continue the ministry that he did. That the kingdom of earth comes, the kingdom of heaven comes only through the person of Jesus. And if we are to live in that place, we need to hold on to who Jesus is. So this is what, this is what Peter is urging the church. is like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Follow Jesus. Do you get the urgency yet? All of this was to confirm the prophetic words that were given, right? But it, when we look at these verses, one of the things as I was preparing this sermon, I was, honestly, I was struggling a little bit. But if we read, if we read these verses here, it says, It says that we have this, this prophetic word more fully confirmed in which you will do well to pay attention as a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. I'm reading those verses and I'm trying to figure out what is this trying to say. If I just read it and I, I apply my seminary knowledge into it, it's just like, okay, Jesus is that place is the light in the dark place. Jesus is the morning star, as it says in Revelation 22. I understand all of that. But I also believe that there's a prophetic thing that, that, that God wants to speak into this church today. So God wants to speak this to the five stones. Is that if we focus on the light in the darkness, the light in the darkness is Jesus, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart, in other words, that in the suffering that we go through, through the dark times, if we're able to focus on the light, the hope in Jesus, this will be the place where the compassion and kindness of Jesus will be birthed. And this will be the place that five stones will walk through. That when the morning star rises and joy comes in, that we are reminded of God's steadfast love and mercy and the great faithfulness of God. As a church, 
we're given an assignment to walk with compassion and kindness to represent the love of Jesus. But as a church, we also have our personal things that we have to go through, right? All of those personal things God has given you to hold on to. So as you're going through that darkness, look for that joy. Look for that light. That light is in Jesus. And when the morning sun rises, which is the, 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 the essence of Jesus, new mercies for you every day. Out of that place, you're going to be able to minister. Out of that place, you're going to be able to minister because you're going to be able to empathize with the people that are going to come through this church, the, people, the needs that are going to come through this church. That compassion comes with empathy. That compassion comes because people in this church have gone through the exact same things that they're going through right now. And that this ministry, the heart and th that the power of this ministry is that we could extend the compassion of God. And so I believe that this is a word for the church. That you might be sitting here and just like, God, John, I'm, it's, it's great that you're talking and preaching about all these things and I want to be a part of it, but my life right now is a mess. I can't even get my emotions in order. I'm depressed. I'm anxious. I, I can't go through that. My encouragement for you Stay in this community. And I pray that this community points you towards Jesus. Because what you're going through, God's going to bring somebody through these doors that are going through the exact same thing that you're going through, and you're going to minister to them. That's what it's for. So focus on that. Focus on Jesus. Focus on that Jesus is the one that gives hope. He is the fulfillment of the prophecies that are given. Peter goes on to say, knowing this, knowing all of this now, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. Peter is warning the church as we look into chapter 2 next week where Peter goes on to talk about false, false teachers. But Peter is saying, what he's saying here is that what is written in the word in the Bible isn't open to your own interpretation. That you could just take whatever you want out of the Bible because verse 21 says that what is given in the word of God isn't given or even written by man, but that men spoke from God carried along by the Holy Spirit. He's saying that we don't read scripture and fill, our, fill it with our own ideas and meaning and fit scripture around our own desires because the word of the word of God, that scripture, is, in, is that God intends that he carries his ideas. It's what God has spoken. It's his solid, firm, and divine intention. So it is God's meaning of scripture and not our own. And Peter gives that warning, and he continues to expand that next week as Alex preached, and, and, and we talk about what false teachers are. Because even in Peter's days, the enemies of Jesus twisted Old Testament prophecies given to them and giving them personal and bizarre meanings in an attempt to exclude Jesus. So even though Peter is speaking of the prophecy of Scripture here, I want to talk to us, church, that this is the same principle that is true for the gift of prophecy today. 
that there must be a confirmation of the prophetic word in and through scripture, that God never speaks only to one person and always provides confirmation. Prophecy also never comes from the will of man, but that it comes through the people of God that are moved by the Holy Spirit. For this is the New Testament church prophetic ministry is to instruct and to encourage people. So in the same way, men will also use prophecy to, or in the name of prophecy, to twist and exclude the truth of the word. And this is where the church needs to start and begin to play a major role. That as a community, we are established in what the word has to say and not what the pastor has to say. That we keep each other accountable in being rooted in the word because we all know that there are false teachers and false teachings that come to separate, segregate, and divide the church. But we will expand on this more in the next two weeks. I believe this church needs to become a prophetic voice to the things that are, the, to the chatter that's being out there. A prophetic voice in speaking the truth of God's word, a prophetic voice in speaking the heart of God over people. So how do we do this? So let me remind you and go back to my first sermon that I preached on, on Second Peter. Three very practical ways that we could live this out. The first is to recognize the thing that God is doing in our church and in our community. This means for us to encourage each other to testify and telling each other to do more things out of faith. Okay? The church is already very divided. That's the reality of it. The, the churches across our city, churches across our nation, it's very divided, and we're divided over the silliest things. But we don't celebrate the good that's happening in our community enough. Because when we celebrate the things that are happening, the good things that are happening, this brings the gospel to the forefront of the church. So let's, let's do it. Let's celebrate it more. We need to celebrate what's happening in church. We need to stir up, as, as Peter has said to us today, to stir up, to encourage, to lift up, to help move forward, to see miracles, to ask for miracles, to speak prophetically to each other, to lift each other up in prayer, to pray for healing. All of this to stir each other, to stir each other up, to keep us from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of Jesus. The second thing is to cultivate and make more space for God to show up. There's a hopelessness in our culture, right? People need hope, and the only place that we will find hope is in the church. Unfortunately, the church is not where people is looking right now. So the knowledge of God comes from how people experience God, so we need to make room for that to happen in our relationships. Making space is to pause in the busyness of our lives so that we can allow God to lead, okay? We, we keep ourselves way too busy. And this is completely countercultural to North American culture, but our lives are way too busy. We, are, we, we, we fill our minds and our heads with too many <coughs> things. And sometimes we need to pause in the busyness of our lives so we could allow God to lead us, to allow God to interrupt our lives so that he could pour out his, his spirit into our lives so that we could pour out God's spirit into our community. We need to open 
be open to opportunities for revival to break out in our church, but we also need that same spirit to pour out into the community, into, into the places that you're placed in. And last, we need to be in our community. And we need to live out our faith. And that requires us to be in good dialogue with those that have a different belief system than ours. We need to have people of different faiths, different backgrounds, different worldviews that you engage with. We need to teach our communities, the communities that you're placed in, to ask what the right questions are. What's wrong, what's right, what's missing, what's confused. That we are placed in your community. You know that where you are right now, that God placed you intentionally? Do you believe that? That the workplaces and the, the, the schools that you're in, the jobs that you have, that God placed you there intentionally because he, he wants you to have an impact to those that you interact with. He wants you to be able to challenge the values, the morality, the places where he's missing. That's your mission field. That's your job. As a pastor, sometimes I get very jealous of you guys. In a place where I'm just like, I mean, I love you guys, don't, don't get me wrong. <laughs> but I get to sit with you guys all the time. And my interaction with the community, I feel like these days are less and less. But you guys get to do that. That you're in your school and you're in your, your workplace because God placed you there so that you can minister to those people that are around you. That you're a doctor, you're a lawyer, you're a floor manufacturing guy that runs a warehouse, that you're a baker, that you're a des graphic designer, that you're a nurse. All for the reasons that God placed you there. And that's your missions field. That's where you're supposed to minister. Peter here has given us an encouragement to be the people empowered by hope, to lead lives of love, and to let your confidence in Jesus give you his kindness and his compassion. To remember who Jesus is as he fulfills the prophetic word in reconciling you to God the Father, giving you access to his power to help you navigate the changing world that we live in. That's First Peter. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for your charge for the church, but your encouragement for the church as well. Lord, that you've given us all an assignment, that you've given us a purpose of how we are to live, the reason for us to live. And Peter writes it in his second letter to the church, and he's encouraging the church to continue it from the day that he passes to the day that Jesus comes back again. And Lord, we are living proof of that church today. So Lord, we ask that you help us continue to carry this mantle that you have given us. And Lord, may we as a church live in a way that gives glory to who you are. So Lord, we thank you and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, John spoke of, you know, the scene of, of transfiguration. And 
that is one of about a dozen stories that shows up in all four Gospels. So it lets you know how important that scene is. And interestingly enough, you know, only one of those Gospels was written by a guy that was actually there. So you get the feeling that how much that scene was passed down and how important it was not to forget that, you know, we sometimes get this feeling that Jesus was kind of created on the cross in that moment. And the reality was he was God throughout and he was man throughout. And, you know, Peter, John, and James all witnessed this amazing scene. You know, Elijah's there, Jesus is there, and... You know, Peter even goes up and speaks to them and says, hey, how, you know, should we make tents for you guys? Like, he misses the scene completely. But um, the point is, even though they witnessed that, that miracle, they all still fled on the night of the crucifixion. They all still fell away. And, you know, what the Lord also reminded me of is, you know, you have this great scene where Israel crosses the Red Sea. The waters are parted. Pharaoh's armies wiped out. I mean, it's like, it's not even a two-for-one. It's like a multi-for-one deal that God does. And the first thing you see on the other side is Miriam writes a song of remembrance. And you're sitting there going, how, how could you ever possibly forget walls of water walking through a sea and then an army that's about to kill you being taken out behind you? And the answer is, because we forget and we don't understand. And so the things I really was just feeling, John, you know, putting on our hearts today is, is that, you know, we are going to go out into the community and, and every one of you has a situation that you were uniquely designed, created, you were experienced to go and speak into that. Maybe it's due to a language you speak. Maybe it's due to a situation you came through, you know, we can't, I can't certainly predict any of the things the Lord has, but I do know that every single one of you is, like John said, you are put into a place to speak to a person or persons or situations, and we just need to be open for that opportunity. But we also need to celebrate when those moments come through. How often do we buckle down into prayer, and then we see the prayer answered, and we forget to say thank you on the other side? We just kind of are like, oh, that was amazing, and then we move on. And so, you know, we need to have that, that memory of celebration of all the things that God has done. And, and I think for some of you, you're going to be put into a situation. You're not even going to realize how much the Lord has been training you in something until that comes. And then you're going to realize, oh, it's going to be like a, a light goes on in your life, and you're going to go, this was, this was part of my purpose this is part of why I went through that situation and why you did these things with me, Lord. It wasn't because you enjoyed it. You know I didn't enjoy it, but you did it so I can help this person. I can speak so intimately into what they, what they need at this moment. So, Lord, we just thank you this morning. We thank you that you work with each and every one of us. Lord, you work with us with the faith that we have. And, Lord, we just ask for more. We just ask for that, that boldness to step forward, Lord, that when that moment comes, you would give us the strength to rise. 
And Lord, we just pray that we would never forget the amazing things that you've already done in our lives, the amazing things that you're going to do in our lives. And Lord, just that, just as your word is a celebration of all the things that you have done in the past and how you have led a people and how you have created salvation for all mankind, Lord, just that, that we would just have that, that, that memory, whether it be a, a song, Lord, that we would just constantly recall the truths that you have built into us, Lord, the truth that you are our Savior, Lord, the truth that you died for us. And Lord, as John said, that they would just be readily at our hands in the moment that we need them, Lord, that, that we would be prepared each and every day, Lord, that nothing would come by surprise to us, Lord, because you are with us. And you are our guide in all of this. And so, Lord, we just thank you for all the amazing things you do each and every day in our lives. Amen. Go and be blessed this week.